Everybody. Why we still have the third years here? Are you guys not done yet? I don't. <laughs> Always learning. We're talking about joint joint injections. And, um, a lot of us want to do, they're very effective, they're very useful, but there are some important points we need to know about. Okay, why we do joint injections? You can do a joint or soft tissue. You can do those for inflammation, such as like degenerative joint disease, bursitis, tendinitis, and we can do a corticosteroid injection. That's funny, I can see it there, I cannot see it over there. <coughs> Lost. All right. Um, we take corticosteroid. <laughs> I'm not doing anything. Go <laughs> by itself or what? I have no idea. Okay, starting from here is that I can see it on my screen, but I'm not seeing that. There you go. Delay. Delay. All right. So what we usually do is they're going to be a steroid, a local anesthetic, and the needle itself. All three actually helps reduce even the needle itself, inflammatory reaction. That's why the dry needling on the uh, back, trigger points, things to that nature. Not nothing, just the needle itself. You can see uh, some uh, physical therapists will do that. Most physical, I mean, physical therapists, they, they can't inject medicine. They, they're not allowed to do that, so they do the drying points. I that a lot. They will have an effect. So basic principles before we can start. This machine wants to think a lot. <laughs> Of course, you need to have a history of an examination. And you need to make sure you already tried conservative treatment first, like NSAIDs, um, they failed. And even after injection, you need to recommend continuation of the NSAIDs. I usually, uh, when there's an indication for a joint injection, I usually give them options, say, look, you can inject, you can take ibuprofen leave and use ice packs. Uh, we don't inject and you just do this. Or we just inject, you don't need that kind of thing. So all three options, you may not need to continue medication. So help them decide what options they have. You have to be careful about who are you selecting to do that. I'll, I'll come into the details on that when they consent. Make sure you talk to them about, uh, uh, you told them their options. 
told them the possible benefits, which will help them their pain or whatever situation is. Even you don't know how long is it going to last. That's a very important uh, line you need to mention. Some people will benefit six months, some people three months, some people three weeks. But you can't tell. You have to tell them that, and then you really have to tell them the risk because you're going into a major joint. The number one risk is septic arthritis. Number two, three, making it worse. Um, uh, things, things like that. And I'll throw the, my final line and say I've, I've done hundreds of those so far, never had a major complication. <laughs> say that they go at foot, you can make it worse, but I've never had a complication like this. They're happy. If they want it, they they'll go through with it. You need to know your anatomy, uh, where are you going, and then you need to know this question how many injections in one year? Mm -hmm. Four, 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 why not more? What happens? Blood sugar. Blood loss, bone loss, osteoporosis. Okay, what else? Important one. Vocal articular. <coughs> you need to prevent systemic complications of hypothalamic suppression. There's a possibility. It's, I think it's a small. Osteoporosis is a big one. That one is a big one. Too many of these. Uh, they will start losing their joints. Uh, I have patients that she, there's one patient, she just actually was here two days ago, every six months. Like, she comes at double knee injections. Big lady, she was told it's a, a joint replacement, can't do them. She's so big, they don't they don't want to operate on her. She comes and she finds me. I need my injections. So I'll go through the motions of making sure she's doing fine, and then we inject both knees. She's always very happy. And she said, I heard you're leaving, that's why I rushed here. Who told you what? <laughs> okay. Basic um, principles before you start. I'll stop a little bit here. Never, ever, ever, ever use multi dose vial. That goes for local anesthetic and sometimes even the steroid itself. A vial that is opened before. Those big lidocaines, 20 ml, it's open before somebody has taken something out of it. You can never trust the integrity and the sterility of what the solution inside. You can never trust that. Um, there has been cases in the literature, septic arthritis going rampant out of a clinic because one vial was infected. It's very easy to get it infected. It's not hard, believe me. Yeah, I was very careful, but I've seen uh, nurses accidentally touching the needle, the way they hold the syringe, you just touch the needle and that needle goes in there and the whole thing is disinfected. You're going in a major joint. That's the last thing you want. So never, ever, ever, I can't say in the exact word in three different languages. <laughs> you don't, don't, please don't. That's a big one. Um, never do that. And my recommendation that you prep your own mix if you're comfortable. 
You open your own vials, you open your amps, you go in there and you prep it yourself. Um, if you if you trust, if you like, you know, if, if, if you trust your handle hands and how you're gonna handle it, at least you know for sure what's in there, you check it, and, and there are the, the if you contamination, less contamination. I trust myself. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm, it's not that the MA is not experienced. The, um, that's not my point. My, my point is that I'm doing something major. I really don't want any complication. That's why I do it myself. I really do it myself. Here's another one. I know the maximum dose of local anesthetic that can be used for procedure. So what is the maximum dose of lidocaine on a single procedure? Maximum dose of a lidocaine. There is a max dose. Really? 50 total in terms of oxygram. 50 what? Mills, CCs. Okay, I have one 50 CC. I have, somebody said something. It says per kilogram of body weight. Per kilogram of body weight, what would that be? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> you dose it based on body weight. 4.5 milligram per kilogram. <clears throat> 4.5 milligram per kilogram lidocaine. 4.5 milligram per kilogram lidocaine. Okay, I got, we got one answer. I, did I hear 300 somewhere? Somebody other 300? Yeah. I, I, I think I heard 300. Uh, what do we do when it does that? Oh, there you go. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll tell you what. It's per procedure, right? All right. 300 milligram for adults, 5 milligram per kilogram for children. How many milliliters is this? 300. How many milliliters is it? 300 milliliters of 1% lidocaine. 300 milliliters of 1% lidocaine. No, 30. 30. Okay. You guys all agree? What if it was 2%? 15 milliliters. 15. Okay. So, so many residents will know 30 ml. Kind of, it's a common. I was expecting somebody will say that 30 ml. I would have problems with that. But that comes out, I, I give this lecture a lot and it comes all the time. Same answer, 30 ml. What is it 1%, 2%? Why do, you, why, why do you say 30 ml? So don't memorize the ml. You need to know the milligram because the concentration changes a lot. So what does it mean, 2% medicine? What does that mean? In medicine, 2%. What does that mean? Two milligrams per decimals. Two milligrams. It's a liter. Maybe it's correct. I'm not sure what. One percent means going somewhere. All right, we'll get to that in a second. Two um, percent lidocaine means twenty milligram per ml medicine. Two percent means two grams per one hundred ml. That's what it means. Two grams is 2,000 milligrams. 
So if you divide it, you're going to get 20 milligrams per ml. So this is grams, and this is 100 ml. Um, that's what 2% means. It's 20 milligram per ml medicine. That's why you want to know, you don't want to know the milliliters or how much lidocaine can you use. You want to know the milligram. So because it could be 30 ml of the 1% or 15 ml of the 2%. That's the, that's the whole point here. And the marking is, it's two milligram per kilogram or 175 milligram dose per single dose, no So I'll, I will tell you what happens if you come close to this or if you surpass it. Which, you may get to this, but how do you decide it which one you use, like one percent? I mean, um, I always want it to be strong. I don't well, know. yeah, well, it, every joint has a <laughs> of what it can handle. Yeah, next. Uh, like if you're doing an elbow, you're talking about two and out. So you want, do you want to put one, one uh, percent or two percent there? If you do two percent uh, of two amount, it's going to last longer. You know, and that's how you decide. A, a major joint can take total maybe ten ml of product. So it's probably and it's in the it's in the range of if you use a uh, eight ml marcaine, uh, lidocaine and two two ml of some sort of a cortisone. So you give that patient an 8 ml of 2%, which is a lot, that's going to last a lot longer than using 1%. When would you want to use 1% if you're just numbing up like the skin a little small? Yeah, only 1% is fine. Okay. Yeah, 1% is fine, 2% is fine. It's fine. But I like, for my joint injection, I like 2%. It's concentrated, it's going to last longer. And I can use less of volume to do that. And here's the works. Is, yeah, I took these pictures to, to, to tell you. 1% one, 1 means 10 milligram per ml, 2% means 20 milligram per ml. It's gonna be on the, on the, you can just look at it. What does USP mean? I was kind of curious about that, I looked it up. What is USP? What does that mean? Ultra suspension. Before FDA, in the 1820s, uh, it's US, United States Pharmacopeia, Pharmaco something, you know, that, that they have, I don't know how to say that word, basically the standard of how they prepare a medicine. So in 1800s, they created that book. So every pharmacist, every doctor in the United States will know how to make a particular medicine. It's the standard. That was before FDA. And that's what it is. United States, that's that word. <laughs> pharmacopeia, pharmacopeia, or something like that. I don't. I do not know how to pronounce it. It's just a handbook of how to make medications. Indications for injection. That's the problem with English. Uh, the, the, the nicest thing about Turkish, it's it's very uh, rule based. If you can, if you uh, you can read anything, if you know how to sound them, very straightforward. So English is always um, injection. Uh, indication for injection: osteoarthritis. Rheumatoid arthritis, gout, sinus, uh, synovial problems, bursitis, endonitis, and none of them showing up. Man, it's going too slow. Okay, trigger points, carpal tunnel. 
I'm going to stop on this one a little bit because I do that a lot. Uh, they're coming to walk in and they have this pain right inside of the shoulder blade. It just, it just hurts, it burns, they can't sleep, very tender, or maybe some in this area. But usually it's medial aspect of the shoulder blade. So when they start talking about that, sometimes it will be up here. Um, I go there and start feeling the muscles. Usually when there's a trigger point, it's very tight. You can feel it, when you touch it, it shoots pain and they, they say that's, that's the one. Sometimes I can find, um, I can follow that down uh, on that muscle a couple inch, uh, you, you, you'll find more of them. When I find something, I'll ask them, okay, it hurts. I'll go about a two, three centimeter this way, this way, and this way, and see if it's hurting and, and go down, see if it's hurting, and see if I can find another one. Now I tell them you have trigger point problem. I recommend injection. You don't have to do that. You can do all kinds of other things, but injection tends to be the short, shortest cut to get rid of these. Most people will like it. So what I do is, uh, and I, I learned that when I was rotating with a, a physical medicine uh, specialist my third year, that's what he would do. Um, one ml of uh, catalog, and uh, four ml of 2% lidocaine mix is five ml. And I use a very fine needle, something like a 25 gauge, 27 gauge. It'll be one inch needle, so I don't go too far. And I'll basically take a, a swab, an iodine swab, and I just do little circles. Um, I go, go, go again and find them. Okay, this spot, just a little circle. Go back, it hurts. Okay, another circle. This one hurts, another circle. So I have all my circles ready. And I'll start going in one ml at a time in every one of them. Just right in there, uh, about a one centimeter in, inject, go, inject, go, inject, go. And at the end, I rub them all because it's going to put a, a little wheel on the skin. Uh, and then uh, put a little uh, round band-aid on it. It works great. And there is a code for that CPT code. Very important. Um, you don't have to use a steroid for that. You can just do lidocaine, you can find needle. I, I like I like the steroid and the, <coughs> I like them. What do you use, Dr. Paul? These things you should be very careful of. Sorry, I have a question back when we're talking about uh is the, what's the likelihood that that pain will yeah. The same as when you do a joint injection? Well, okay, so most of them is our lifestyle. People right. doing this, working on a computer, or they have a, a, a posture problem, it may come back. Um, so then, then that goes through the education of um, if you have the time to do that, right. giving them some exercises for them to kind of fix their postures. Contraindication for injections. So when would you not inject? Ideas? Infection, infection overlying skin. Okay, infection overlying the skin. Uncontrolled diabetes. Uncontrolled diabetes. Good point. Anything else? Allergic reactions. Allergic reactions. Always ask them, are you allergic to anything else before you inject anybody? That's a good point. Very good point. Should we or should we not? Want to ask for it? 
Soft tissue injections appears to be safe in patients receiving warfarin, and INR is less than three. Where I got it, there's a reference down there. Yeah, no, you can. What about patients who are on Eliquis? I mean, because we're not really measuring INR. Black aspirin. Okay. So, ending surgery. I prefer some orthos, like they don't want to do anything unless it's been like a few months since your last injection. Like how long of a duration would you say before? Let's say they have a surgery scheduled in a month. Do you still inject them or do you still hold off? Uh, what, what did you hear from your uh, orthopedic friend? They all say three months. We'll say like three months. Right. We'll say, like it's personal preference, but if I had a patient that's about to have surgery, I wouldn't do that. And if they're already established with ortho, just yeah, they should do ortho. There is an ortho just and I asked him what projection. He said ideally three months. That's what most of us say can be longer if spine or joint replacement, but might be able to convince me to do it sooner if it's just a little scope case. Okay, three months. So they want three months. <laughs> okay, and we have the answer. Thank you for your brother. <laughs> 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 we're just gonna go through this is going too slow and I'm gonna run out of time so I have to do um, to inject without minimal pain and few and complications and you don't want to inject around the big nerve or arterial landmarks like lateral epicondylitis is okay but the medial if you want to do that be aware of the ulnar nerve there um you're injecting to substance of tendon Okay, how do you know your intended? It's right there. If, this, if the plunger is not moving, you really don't want to push against this. You can be an attendant. If it's, you're, you're in a big joint, just think about it. You're in a big space. That has to move nicely. But if it's not moving, don't push, push it. Um, you, you're going to do damage if you do that. We don't know where that needle is. It could be an attendant. Uh, it could be in a hard structure. <laughs> That's a bad idea to push against resistance. It should it should go nicely. And you, of course, you need to use the sterile technique. Uh, all right, get ready. Set up everything. Uh, one or two needle technique. Two needle would be you numb it first, put a small needle, put some lidocaine there. 
and then you go with the, the big needle. But I've never seen anybody with two needles. Most of us will do just single. Clean the area, get ready. Always uh, Okay, always pull back to make sure there's no blood and give these precautions. Um, it may come back and the steroid is, uh, is irritant. It can hurt more. So take some ibuprofen, put some ice on it, 24 hours usually. And um, warn the patient about possible uh, systemic side effects or local side effects. And the local side effects, uh, Infection, skin atrophy, deep pigmentation, rupture, most infection, uh, injection flares, two to five percent. Often it's poor technique and all that. All right, let me show you this one. The internet. So, equivalent dosages of injectable corticosteroid. So, 40 milligram canalog is equal to four milligram. Or celestone, six milligram. You, you want to know that. And the next one is actually neat. And this is a relative anti inflammatory potency. A canalog is, if it's canalog is five, dexamethasone 20. We have this guy and this guy in our clinic. Uh, I've seen this used in pain. Uh, Epidural injections a lot. They, they love this. I'm not sure I've seen this much at all. But sometimes I do 40 milligram of canalog and four milligram of dexamethasone on the same injection if I want to, if I'm targeting a longer effect. Not always. Not always. But as you can see, uh, the uh, half-life half is so different. This is, of course, four times potent than the Um, how much time I have? Um, 15 minutes. Okay. I may have to skip some of those. This is an injection. I like this approach. You can also do uh, these approaches too, but this is, um, this is so easy. Usually uh, patient will be supine. I'll put a towel under the knee, it's raised a little bit, and I found the top of the patella and the lateral aspect of the patella. I join them, there's a triangle there, that's my point of entrance. And I'm going in 45 degree right under the patella. Usually, don't hit a bone, it's a smooth thing, they don't even feel it. Uh, by the time I'm done, most of them will say, um, but if you, if you're, as you go in, if you, if you're hitting bone, don't, don't scrape, uh, because you can scrape, uh, cartilage. That's not a good idea. Just, just be very gentle with your needle. Uh, just small, you know, uh, I would say slow movements, nothing, nothing jabbing. And if it's not going, you want to be very careful, you know, slow back, uh, redirect. A little bit of this and a little bit of that, but not much. If you do a lot of this, it's just really good. That's the need. Now, when you inject on the surface, here it is. 
Yes, you can. Oh, that looks horrible. Uh, I've, I've done a few of those. And there is a video about it. I think I have to skip it. Okay. So, if you decide to inject plantar fasciitis, you have a diagnosis and it's not getting better. The way you do it is um, basically you're going there. Right here. That's the plantar You go, uh, there's a space there. <laughs> and this is where you go. This is how you do it. You never want to go through the heel this way. That's a very bad idea. And um, coming from the side and injecting this area. Um, you don't want to inject your fascia itself. And how do you know? As I said, if it's not going, you're in a tendon. Don't want to inject that. You don't want to go through the heel because then you can have a heel pad atrophy and then the model is 3ML. That's all it's going to be. Not more than that. There is a video. This is what your dishwasher looks like after one year. It's a colony of billions of mold and bacteria. Let's watch this because this is very unusual. Uh, this guy, Nabil, and plantar fasciitis. Plantar fasciitis is a common cause of heel pain in adults. It occurs in 10% of running athletes. The plantar fascia is a long, connective tissue that lies directly beneath the skin and on the bottom of the foot. This tissue supports the arch of the foot and is inserted from the heel bone to the heads of the metatarsal bones. The plantar fascia inserts into the medial tuberosity of the calcaneus. Achilles tendon inserts into the posterior aspect of the calcaneus. The plantar fascia is formed by three bands, the medial band, the central band, and the lateral band. Plantar aponeurosis is the central part of the plantar fascia. Foot pain due to the inflammation of the plantar aponeurosis is usually caused by repetitive strain. As a person walks, the plantar fascia ligament stretches when the foot hits the ground. This ligament is a dynamic stabilizer of the arch of the foot. If the plantar fascia ligament is forced to stretch excessively or abnormally, damage to the fascial tissue may occur. Pain symptoms will intensify with prolonged exercise or standing, especially with the first steps. Stretching exercises or walking often help in the relieving of the pain. Treatment of plantar fasciitis. Published data shows 80-90% to resolution of symptoms with Within 12 months, regardless of the treatment. The treatment of plantar fasciitis should include rest or ice, anti inflammatory medication, shoe inserts, heel cord stretching exercises, or injections. Surgery is done as a last resort after persistence of symptoms for over six months. Surgery can be done open or endoscopic. When the treatment involves an injection, do not inject into the fascia itself, it may cause its rupture. Also, do not inject into the fat pad, it may cause fat pad atrophy. The injection can be performed blind or ultrasound guided. The site is first identified and marked on the medial side of the foot and betadine is used.
Avoid injecting through the fat pad at the bottom of the foot to avoid fat atrophy. The needle is inserted into a medial to lateral direction one finger breadth above the sole of the foot in a line that corresponds to the posterior aspect of the tibia. The solution is injected past the midline of the width of the foot. When the injection is done by ultrasound guidance, it can be done on the long or short axis of the fascia. In the long axis technique, the fascia can be injected proximally or distally. In the short axis of the fascia, the injection is done by the medial approach. Inject deep or superficial to the fascia and use needling with platelet injection. All my videos and this video is for educational purposes only. Please consult your doctor before you make any decision. <laughs> Back. All right. Awesome. Shoulder. Uh, there are a couple aspects to a shoulder injection. These are the spots you can do. For the most part, we're doing we're doing the subacromial space. This is our shoulder injection, and I'm gonna skip the video at this point because we really don't have time. Uh, but it's very common. Most of you guys know and seen that done it. I guess anybody who has not done a shoulder injection. Not that one. So which, which route do you prefer? Uh, right there, that's so, so spot. You can do that too, but they're seeing what you're doing. It's always the best. In an AC joint injection, I've done a few of those. The very tight spades. You have to be very sure that's the AC joint because there's a significant tender point and you need to feel the, the little drop there to be able to get that needle in there. It's really tight. I mean, one ml is the max you are able to do this. So what I do with that, I do um, um, 20 milligram cantalog and half ml, 2%. So yeah, 2%, not even 1%. That's all you can get in there. It's very, very tight, but it's doable. It works. And it shows you how to do that. And there is a, and this one is a different aspect of the same thing on the side. I'm just going to skip that. Um, Elbow. Okay, elbow lateral uh, epicondylitis is, uh, and there's the medial, there's a tennis elbow and the vocal elbow. Um, injection is very effective. Basically, uh, it's this muscle uh, that's going to hurt. One of the best diagnoses would be you have them push down against your resistance, you're basically stretching this muscle. And if it hurts, then usually it's the right diagnosis. And there's a point tenderness to it. So what you do is um, you inject it, except injection. I, would, I don't inject medial. As I said, it's too close nerve. Uh, that's the position. And you're finding the point of tenderness, three to four ml. Usually it's a 40 milligram catalog rest over 2%. And just go in, you can hit the bone and come back and just infiltrate that area. I sometimes I fan it, you know, uh, one ml there, one ml there, one ml there, one ml there. Works good. The hip is another one I'd like you guys to know. It's very easy and effective, especially the, gr the greater thoracic bursitis. Um, right inside the hip, never done it. I've seen it. You, have, you need uh, 
know, performance, very specific. We've done a sacrally, a side joint, down couple, it's too blinded for me, and I'm not sure if I was successful. So but I've, I've treated sacroiliitis a lot. They have people come in with that all the time. So thoracanteric bursitis. Let's talk about that because uh, um, it's usually pain right on the side. Sometimes people will come in and tell you they have pain here. But when you go there, nothing hurts as you come back and it starts hurting right there. And then you know it's, uh, you can identify that. Now, there is a very, very specific point to this pain. It can, it can go all around like this. It can hurt, but it will never pass the knee. Same with SI joint pain. It, will, it should never pass the knee. Um, so if it's really hurting and off the right spot, usually I suggest injection. But to do that, the picture is not that good, but to do that, they need to be on their side and their pelvis has to be exactly 90 degree to the table, not tilted, exactly 90 degree. And then I find the, the most tender spot, uh, anatomically speaking, it should be right, right around the thoracanter major, like not off all the way down here. That would be wrong. It should be where it should be. And then um, I clean it uh, and I use a 22 gauge uh, spine, spinal needle. Uh, right down, right down in the middle, Hold it down until I hit the bone, pull back a couple centimeter, take out the middle piece of it, hold it. I hold the top, my hand is, is, is on, on the patient <coughs> because as I come, put the uh, syringe and I'm injecting, I don't want my pressure move the needle down. That's the, that's the point. So I basically, I'm holding it with my left hand and stabilizing it. I, I really hold it tight <coughs> and, and it's, it's like this. So no matter what I do there, this is not moving. What I'm saying, and there is a point. It's usually six to eight ml. There is a point, and the fluid stops going um, because it's a tight space. I start coming out a bit, and one centimeter at a time. See if I can get a little more release. Put more there. Come out a little bit. Finish it that way. Trying to put the whole thing in that tight space is usually is a big battle. It just doesn't go. That's my solution to it. I, you know, that's how I do it. Uh, it's usually a lot of a long distance, 22 gauge uh, spinal needle works the best. Um, this is the last uh, issue I'm going to talk to you guys about. A side joint inflammation of the side joint is very common. Pain is worse when weight bearing, standing, going upstairs, sometimes even hurt when sitting. Um, it can go to buttocks, but never, never, ever passes the knee. You can do one finger test, which is the point tenderness, and you can do favor test. Anybody knows how to do that? Flexion, abduction, and external rotation. So you tell us this thing you're for? Yeah. You are resisting. Yeah. And you want to hold the other hip. So um, you're pressing the other hip, and this leg is going down, there's going up. And if it's hurting, um, then you have a diagnosis. Um, on those, I usually try a medral dose back first. Um, I don't try to attempt to do injection. As I said, it's usually not that easy. Uh, they do those on the fluoroscopy. That's not even easy. It's a lot of, uh, that space is very, very tight. There's a very, very comical video there, but we, um, this shows you if you want to inject where it's going. And that's just another last slide.
Any questions? Type for the video. Huh? Type for the video. Going on there, it should pull it. physical therapist brad heineck physical therapist together we are the most famous physical therapist on the internet brad. in our opinion of course bob today brad we're going to do three Zima. tests to tell whether or not your si <laughs> is actually causing your back pain si right sacroiliac sacroiliac so what is quickly, it, let's show what that is all right this is the back of your spine so brad show which we're <laughs> <laughs> oriented like this right here yeah yep. and this here you have the sacrum which is a triangle shaped bone right there on brad and you have the pelvis or the ilium so this is the sac and this is this joint right in here Or this joint right in here that's giving you trouble. And let's, if we move this, if you can see that move, there's a little bit of controversy on well, whether there's movement or how there much movement. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, in the medical field, this is not settled yet. All right. So on Brad, Brad's having pain on his right side. So we're going to check whether or not uh, it's actually coming from his sacral iliac or not, or SI. So we're going to start off the first. That's what the red tape for is, by the way. It indicates it's on his right side. Okay. Why don't you lay flat on your back, Brad? Very simple test, figure four or Patrick test, this is called. Um, yep, yeah, he's going to put this one down and this one across like that. So he's crossing his leg. He's making a four here, if you can see that. And all you do is you push down here and you hold right here. You push down. Not too hard. No, nope, just gentle. gentle pressure and if he gets pain if he gets the same pain mm -hmm. if it reproduces his pain on the right side that's a a possibility that's the si right the more tests that are positive the more likely it's going to be your si right all right let's go right into the next one brad 
Next one, you're going to go ahead and put the leg off the edge here. Don't fall off the bed. <laughs> Don't fall off the bed. Okay. Okay, so this one goes down. This one goes up like this. Like that. Oh, there we yep. Go. <laughs> What's your pain, Brad? Does this make the pain replicated? Right. Okay. No, it doesn't. Okay, no, it doesn't. You're not helping me at all. <laughs> All right, next one we're going to do is we're going to actually have Brad lay on his side like this. And what I'm doing on this one, on the pelvis, I'm going to push right on the pelvis here. Okay, so why don't show it on here. So he's right like this. I'm just going to go ahead and push right on the pelvis, right on the, the flare of here, of the ilium. Easy one to do. So you're just going to go ahead and push. Pressure on, pressure on. Any pain with that, Brad? Pain with pressure, yes. Okay, so now we got a positive one. Right there. So, right there. again, obviously with all these tests, you're gonna need someone to help you. The last one we're gonna do, very simple. Uh, we're actually gonna throw an extra one in there. We said three tests, this is gonna be four. Uh, lay flat on your stomach, Brad. On this one, we're just gonna go right, you know, where the belt is, we're gonna push right on the sacrum itself right on that triangle. So I'm just putting a hand here, pushing another hand on here, and pushing down like that. Yeah, and actually it's below the belt. Yep, a little, yep, exactly. I'm not, I'm not, I'm putting pressure on my palm is what I'm doing, so. So I'm putting pressure right on the sacrum. Pressure on, pressure off. Now, to be honest, the gold standard of tests for checking whether or not you have an SI problem is if the doctor themselves uh, actually does an injection of an anesthetic mm -hmm. into the SI joint. Sure. And if that makes it feel better, greatly relieves your pain, it's likely it was an SI right. problem. But if you do these tests, if you do all four tests and they're all positive or three of them are positive, there's a pretty good chance you have right. an SI problem. Uh, the other thing I do want to mention, Bob, is SI pain can refer down the leg, but they always say it almost never refers past the knee. Right. So from here, down to here, but if you're getting pain here all the way down to your foot, it's probably I'll not often SI. see SI pain even in the groin or sure. in the front here. Right. Now one thing you can do just real quickly, um, another test, by the way, stand up Brad, is if, if to see whether or not an SI belt would help. Sure. There's these SI belts you can order. What you do is you actually push on his pelvis, have someone, Squeeze this is a little in. strange, pushing right on the pelvis, like right there, yep. Yep. and we have him walk. And if before, if they were having pain when they walked, when they were walking, and now they don't, that that's a good side. Weight bearing. Usually weight bearing, right. yeah. And it's usually w worse with stairs, uh, running, and uh, you can't even feel it sitting when you're weight sure. bearing on the on the pelvis with that. So. Some impact activities where it pushes weight through, but the SI belt just. Squeezes around. Let's get bony part in here. It's just a, like a two-inch belt, and it comes around, and you pull it. Velcro goes on real easy, and it just supports that area. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Napoleon. And then uh, remember, we can fix just about anything. But well, Bob, it's that broken heart we're still working on. We're gonna try to, you know, come up with an answer for you. Wow. Thanks a lot. They're still working on it. If you struggle to. It's gone. All right. <laughs>